Hello, this is Risa Courier, host of the Alliance podcast, coming to you from the Humane Rescue Alliance in Washington, D.C. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Patty Crankshaw-Quimby, the executive director of the Talbot Humane Society and also the president of the Professional Animal Workers of Maryland. Thank you so much, Patty, for joining us. I'm happy to be here. So how are you doing? How are things going in your community? We're doing pretty well. You know, we have an amazing team here at Tabi Humane and a very supportive community. So we just sort of go with the flow and things need to change. We roll with it. And uh, that's what we need to do in sheltering in general, I guess. But we're doing pretty good here on the mid shore of the eastern shore of Maryland. So, okay. so are you guys still what's the status of your operations? Are you still open somewhat? Yes. So we are, uh, animal control is still in service, of course. Um, We're trying to do as many nuisance complaints and such uh, by phone, but of course Mm -hmm. they're responding to sick or injured animals, um, acts of cruelty and neglect, aggressive animals and assisting uh, law enforcement. Um, Our shelter, we have halted adoptions, but we're doing foster to adopt placements and general foster placements. So our animals are getting out of the shelter. Um, We have a very low uh, population in shelter right right now, which is good for the animals and and our team. We can focus on helping the people in the community that need us a little bit more. Um, And we're, of course, our essential services of our pet pantry and our intervention services are ongoing, always here for the community. Are you uh, experiencing uh, more people that are relying on those services like the pet pantry or has that started yet? Um, a little bit. Uh, we have a large service industry here um, in Talbot County. We have a lot of restaurants and businesses where people uh, all of a sudden weren't working. And of course, they're not getting a paycheck. So we just opened up our pet pantry. No questions asked. If you need food, come to our door. We will give it to you. And people are taking advantage of that. Um, our officers are delivering food to our regular uh, users of the pantry who are often our community members who um, are on fixed incomes. Um, We have a large retirement age group here in Talbot Mm -hmm. County. So we're getting, we're delivering so that people don't have to come out to us. But the community, the other side of the community are donating. So, you know, it's, it's been a good balance. That's great. So Patty, as the president of PAWS, could you tell me a little bit about what PAWS is, who the members are, and what the purpose of the organization is? Most definitely. So Professional Animal Workers of Maryland has actually been around since the uh, early 80s. A rendition of it was around in the 70s, but um, it has been here for over 40 years. And its purpose is to bring animal control, humane societies, sheltering um members in Maryland together. It's a resource for education, for sharing resources, for working on legislation here in Maryland. And of the counties, we have all but three counties represented uh, in Professional Animal Workers of Maryland, and their membership is made up of more than um, 40 organizations. Okay. And, and it's the interesting thing about all your members is you have every, you know, a real wide variety from very small organizations serving rural areas to large urban areas like Baltimore. So what are you seeing? Uh, you know, I know you're sending out regular emails 
to your members, asking them, you know, how things are going. Where Humane Rescue Alliance is a, is a member of a proud member of Paws. <laughs> so, what what feedback are you getting? Is there differences in how the the communities are being impacted or impacted, or is everybody kind of seeing consistently the same things? Interestingly, I think we're seeing pretty consistent uh, trends across the state. Most of us are seeing a very low intake on animals. Um, people are taking advantage of the sheltering in place because most of us are doing offering those services to people. The number of animal control calls is for this time of year is pretty low. This is when we often hear complaints about barking and running at large and people right. are being, you know, responsible with their pets, uh, probably because they're home more and they're noticing these things and making sure that, that they're complying. And everybody's reduced their hours of service um, to not necessarily to prevent serving the community, but prevent people from coming by, um, you know, encouraging people to stay at home and to encourage the social distancing. So I think across the state, we're all pretty much on the same page, uh, which is a good thing that the number of animals coming in is not high. It's lower. Yeah, most of us have had to reduce our staffing. So um, it's a good thing. No, that's good. And and that's consistent with what we're experiencing at HRA, that we're having a low number. And, you know, I think some people have put out the theory that, well, you know, some some organizations have closed intake or not accepting animals from the public anymore. But I think many of us are. And we're just all across the board seeing those numbers go down really without any understanding of why that's happening. And then also kind of bracing for that could change dramatically any moment, just as, you know, as the economy changes. So, so you and I were having this really fascinating conversation before I hit record. And that, that is like the biggest challenge of podcasting that it's like, oh, we get this really great, you know, dialogue. And I'm like, oh, darn it. I gotta, I gotta make sure I capture that. But <laughs> but we were having this conversation about how what is happening right now has with the COVID crisis has forced all of us to really change some of our operations and change our programming. And like at HRA, we we now have virtual adoptions. And our CEO, Lisa LaFontaine, has always said, oh, the community is the best shelter. We Fostering is so important. But we we created barriers from really making that happen and, and seeing you know, really, I guess, empowering the foster, our fosters to do more. So what are some things that you're seeing right now, some changes in operations people are making that actually could really reshape how we, we do sheltering in the future? Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, we were talking and I said, you know, what sheltering looks like on the other side of this current crisis may be very different from how it looked before. Um, And and, uh, we saw that in 2008, many of the programs we have in place now at our shelters, such as our intervention, our our pet pantry was born from the 2008 bank crises um, here at Talbot Humane. And so there are things that we're doing that uh, we don't even know what it's going to look like on the other side. And um, your comment about the best, our our theme here at Talby Humane is the best shelter is a humane community. Yeah. And, and that we believe that wholeheartedly. And um, I've 
been so excited to see some shelters who were hesitant to have foster programs are embracing them now. And, you know, our foster program is the reason why we don't have to euthanize a healthy adoptable animal at Talbot Humane. And so I'm hoping these other organizations are like, hey, I see why these people have been pushing us to do a foster program, you know, and this is across the country. I'm seeing organizations who were uh, not really doing a pet pantry or or doing some of these little things that make such a difference here for our residents and for the animals embracing it. So I'm excited to see um, and hope that we continue to hold on to these new programs that have been born of necessity that become the norm for a lot of these organizations. Yeah, I I think it's, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what 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 innovations we do end up holding on to. So this month, so at the beginning of April, PAWS and the Humane Rescue Alliance and St. Hubert's were planning uh, to be hosting the inaugural, <laughs> I, that's so, it's like a, it's a tongue twister word, inaugural Mid-Ad- <laughs> Mid-Atlantic Animal Care and Field, Field Services Conference in Ocean City, Maryland. Unfortunately, like all the other conferences, ours was canceled because of uh, COVID-19. But I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that conference because uh, we had a very unique goal for the conference and we were targeting a very specific audience. Yeah, I was very excited to be working on this with you and our our fellow committee members. Um, It'll happen. It's just going to be delayed. But this conference was really exciting to me because we were focusing on bringing um, our organizations from the Mid-Atlantic together for our specifically our boots on the ground team members who don't get to go to these national conferences and don't get to have always the the level of professional education uh, opportunities that come to us at these national conferences here. You know, our front desk people, our animal control officers, our adoption coordinator. Um, And I think it's going to be exciting. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. I know people hate to hear that, but I truly believe it. Um, And this just gives us another chance to take our conference to an even higher level. If if we're having to put it on hold, uh, when when we actually have it, it's going to be fabulous. So I'm really excited for what we're going to be able to provide to our front, you know, our frontline staffers and their opportunity to just learn and meet with other people doing the same thing they do because we get stuck in a rut. I can tell you when I get to go to a class or a conference or even, you know, even going to our pause meetings, once every three months. Uh, I just love talking to my colleagues and seeing what they're doing and having that opportunity to, you know, commiserate and share our joys at the same time. So um, when when our Mid-Atlantic Animal Care and Field Service Conference does happen, it's going to be fabulous. And, um, you know, it's a little bittersweet. Today we would have been setting up for it. I know. You know, it's going to happen. It's okay. <laughs> so, so, Patty, in the background, is that your parrot making that noise? Or what is that noise? Yes, oh. that's, that's my parrot, Jojo. <laughs> Jojo. Uh, I, knew, Jojo <laughs> I knew Jojo would, like, have an appearance on this podcast. Yes. Le- at least Jojo is keeping it, uh, you know, a, uh, G- G-rated yeah. here. 
Yes, yes. He does like a certain naughty word, and hopefully he won't say it. He might have to edit. But um, he's been with me for eight years. He he was uh, abandoned in a house. He, people had been evicted, and they left him and several cats. And he was in pretty poor condition, almost bald. And the only word he would say was the F-bomb. The entire time that the officer was bringing him back to the shelter, he was screaming F-U. So uh, we moved him in my office, and he attached himself to me. So he and I are buddies. But, um, yeah, he's almost 50. He and I are going to be celebrating the big 5-0 together next year, I think. So. Oh, that's, that is awesome. And and so Bert, so so what kind of parrot is he? He is a yellow-naped Amazon. Oh, amazing. So they they usually live to be at what, almost 70? Yeah, he, he uh the veterinarian said if we, you know, he's in pretty good health other than uh his picking, which is a habit that they develop. And he said he could live to be 60 to 65 most likely. So hopefully I have a few more years of him terrorizing me and him tolerating me. <laughs> no, that's great. And it, it wouldn't be an interview with, with Patty Crankshaw Quimby without Joe in the background. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you without Joe Joe talking in the background. So. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I know, Patty, I've, I feel the same as you do. I think having to cancel that conference, you know, it was, it just, it felt tragic in some ways because I think so many people uh, needed that conference. And, but I am excited for, you know, as we work towards the next conference, and I think we'll, it will be even better and we will be providing resources and uh and that is even more tailored to the audience that we want to serve. And and I and I even think that I'm seeing, you know, some of that collaborative spirit and the the regional community spirit we were trying to build through the conference is happening without the conference. And uh, you know, it's it's awesome to see how many shelters and animal welfare organizations are sharing information and uh, supporting one another and sharing best practices and problem solving together. And it's also been really great to see some of those ideological differences that created division among some organizations seem to be at least quieted for now. That right there, um, it, it shows that in crisis, people can just put the, I don't want to use the word petty, but the things that don't matter as much aside and work on what needs to be taken care of. Um, You know, working as a team, um, I have full belief that um, we're all in this together. Uh, We can have different kinds of shelters. We can have different types of policies and things, but at the core of it, we're here to serve uh, our communities. And by serving our communities, we have to serve the people and the pets equally um, because you're not going to get to the pets if we're not serving the people. And I think a lot of this is we're realizing how close together serving our human and animal counterparts are. Because I think for a long time, um, and I know you've heard it, you know, oh, I don't like people, I like animals. Well, you have to like people 
to serve the animals. That's right. <laughs> you know, so I think I, I completely agree. And it's exciting to see these collaborations and the sharing and people being more open um, and not being, you know, hiding in their little capsules of information. Because um, that's, that's really what Paul's is all about. I, I personally, that's my motto, you know, nobody should have to recreate the wheel. We were in this together. So I'm excited for that too. That's, yeah, I, I I think it's amazing. And, you know, I think organizations like PAWS and the Virginia Federation of Humane Societies in Virginia uh, have such a benefit to organizations, no matter how large or small you are, because we, we all are in this together. We're all navigating really similar challenges. And just to have the support and those connections, especially during a time like this, it seems to matter more than ever. It's I've just been, you know, really amazed to see even the pause, you know, the lists are going back and forth and people just really stepping up to help other shelters who need it and um, and just sharing all that information. So you're not recreating the will because somebody, you know, it's somebody's already doing it. Someone's already dealt with it if you're trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. So what would you tell someone, you know, in that say doesn't have a, a federation or you know some sort of organ membership organization that they could be a part of and is really feeling you know as a small animal organization that may be feeling really isolated right now what would you what advice would you give to them I fully encourage people to take advantage of all of the groups on social media. There are so many great ones. The association has a couple of great ones. There's a COVID specific for animal organizations right now. But, you know, this is a great time to pick up the phone and call that shelter in the next county or call that director of a shelter that you really look to as being, you know, what you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, we need some help. I have never seen any an organization not offer help when somebody reaches out. And, um, you know, it's a great time to just take it in. Um, it's no time to be proud. If you need help, reach out. I might be sitting here in Easton, Maryland, but if you need help, reach out. I, I've been doing this for 20 years now. Right. <laughs> so um, I've been... I've seen some things out there. <laughs> so, and I am always willing to help. Uh, I know my colleagues in Paul's are all the same way. And I can't imagine that the shelters across the country are not the same way. So I do feel for those states and areas that don't have an organization or federation because um, we all lean on each other. Right. When we have a question, um, the first thing we do is send it out to our membership. And somebody has dealt with that issue. I can promise you. So um, don't be too proud uh, and definitely take advantage of those groups um, on social media right now. There's a lot of like this, this wonderful podcast that our friends at HRA are doing. Lots of podcasts out there. Um, Just absorb what you can and ask when you need it. That's advice and maybe one of the takeaways of this is we will see more federations sprouting up more membership organizations where shelters are linking arms and working together because we know that we can we can just do so much more when we're working together um, we just took in a transport from uh, Maryland recently of cats and, and it's just you know being able to know that hey I've got I'm overwhelmed with cats I can reach out to somebody and 
how, you know, transport some of them to another shelter that doesn't have cats. I mean, that is a powerful tool to have, especially right now. Most definitely. You know, we didn't get, my organization, Talbot Humane, did not get to where we are right now by not taking advantage of other organizations' offers for help. You know, Maryland SPCA used to say, we need dogs. And we'd be like, come take what you want. <laughs> right. You know, don't. it's like, okay, come take them. You can take what you want. We yeah. will manage placing whatever it is that you can't take. Um, but that those little pockets of relief that another organization can offer you gives yeah. you time to breathe and reset and help those animals in your care. So yes, uh, definitely. And now we're in the position where we pull from other shelters. You know, we never, 15 years ago, we never thought we'd be in that position. And now we're the ones pulling from other shelters. So it's a great feeling and, and you'll get there. Just keep working towards it. Yeah. That's same with HRA. Not too long ago, we were, when we were Washington Humane Society, we had, a, I think around a 30% live release rate. And that was just, you know, that wasn't too long ago. And it was- no are networking and working with other organizations and collaboration and, and trusting our community with fostering and increasing our volunteer program and ending those breed specific practices that, you know, we had a policy of euthanizing pit bulls. It was just like little, little steps create a big change. So definitely. Um, yeah. So this is a good time for to be, be thinking about that. Jojo agrees. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, too, about um, your governor, Maryland Governor Hogan. You, I know you've worked with him on legislative issues and a number of issues in the past, and it's really been fascinating to see how he's emerged as a national leader in, uh, you know, responding to COVID and really is a, a very um, crisis manager. So has his leadership, has that benefited you all? And have you been getting strong communications and consistent communications in Maryland? Yes. So um, I can't speak highly enough of our governor. Um, he's an animal lover and he loves his state and and those of us here in Maryland and he cares deeply um, and he has emerged as the leader and it's been wonderful to see. Yeah, he, the, the communication I can speak for is that we know what's going on. The shelters are considered essential. Animal control is an essential service. Um, we are able to do what we have to do to protect the animals and the people because we still have to respond to bites and make sure animals are not being treated neglectfully and that um, aggressive animals aren't, you know, running loose and all those things as far as animal control. But uh, I think um, his leadership has, from the top all the way down, um, has made a difference for us to be able to continue to do our jobs well. I can't imagine being in a state where the information is sort of trickling out and we don't know what's going on. But we, we get, I personally get daily updates from my county emergency management. Um, that includes state, county, and and even smaller, like each, if there's something going on in each town. So that's been huge for us to be able to continue to properly serve. And I just, I wish everybody had a Governor Hogan. <laughs> you know, he, he, he really has just been very decisive and not afraid to step out from the rest of the governors and make decisions that seem very forward thinking and maybe even seemed a little 
overly prudent at the time, but have ended up saving countless lives in Maryland. So I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned just in that kind of leadership style. Definitely. After yeah. this, but I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear you guys are getting that support. I know it, it hugely varies between counties and cities and states. And, you know, I know many, many folks are struggling to just get the information they need to, to serve their community and what, you know, how they can structure their operations appropriately. So, well, Patty, we have run out of time, but I, I just can't thank you enough for making time to join us and um, share a little bit about PAUSE and all the great work that you guys are doing at Talbot Humane. Well, thank you, Risa. I could talk for hours about my shelter and our shelters across the state. You know, as you know, it's, I'm passionate about it and I believe in in all of us. And, uh, and I hope everybody comes out on the other side of this well yes. and uh, with fresh ideas and new ways to serve. All right. Well, thanks for being such a great collaborative partner, Patty, and, um, you know, creating such a, a space for everybody else to also collaborate and form relationships so we can grow and and serve and do the best work we can together. Thanks, Risa. All right. Well, please subscribe to our podcast so you can hear more uh, wonderful conversations with animal welfare leaders like Patty. And um, please do drop us a line and give us some feedback on um, content and additional interviews you'd like to see.